I'm not sure when I uh, actually have to stop explaining that these episodes are now in this new format, but I'm just going to give people the 30-second overview just in case that you aren't aware of what's going on. We used to do this as a variety show. We would have the fun fact section, which we are doing today. We're talking about selling the Eiffel Tower. And then we would have our practical knowledge section where David and I talk about something related to business or YouTube or whatever. These used to be one show. They are now two separate shows we are publishing on Monday and on Thursday. This is the fun fact section. We've already decided it comes out on Monday. So here you are listening to it. I hope in 30 seconds that really encapsulates what I spent about 10 minutes explaining in previous episodes. How do you think I did? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, cool. nothing basically changes on the content overall, like if you liked both. But uh, yeah, now they're just separate episodes for those who like one or the other. couple of quick announcements before we get into the show today. Let me thank everyone who has reviewed us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. We are doing a competition. We are aiming for 100 reviews on iTunes. That would be awesome when we hit that 100 mark. We're going to go through people who have reviewed us on iTunes and at random pick someone to win $100 or 100 euro or wait, we should probably not give these away at the actual face value of the currency. It'll be the equivalent because <laughs> someone will be like, uh, I need a hundred yeah. Swiss francs. And I, I don't know, I assume that's a lot of money. Um, so we will give you around that value in your local currency wherever you reviewed this uh, mm-hmm. podcast on iTunes. We're specifically doing it on iTunes because we're aware that this would not this would not be good if it was like uh your what is it the check the check currency the was it what's it called the the crown yeah so like the if crown. you gave him a hundred if you gave him a hundred crowns they'd be like come on really yeah it's, that's about five bucks so uh yeah but on the other yeah. hand if there's ever if there's a country out there that uses bitcoins as their default currency would be really screwed oh. <laughs> uh maybe maybe the way venezuela will go with their with their petro cryptocurrency or whatever that's <laughs> yes so let me just say if you do leave us an itunes review when that happens we will be doing that $100 first prize $25 for two runners up so that would be grand totally selected at random five star reviews of course appreciated but be honest give us what you think we deserve hopefully a little yeah, one and star good, good feedback a couple of those. Part, of, part of the point is of course to get good feedback uh, how to improve the show that sort of thing so like uh, thoughtful feedback would be very very nice yeah we appreciate it Let's just jump right into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. This is the the show where we talk about facts. So we're talking today about selling the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Kick us off. Where where do we begin with this with this one? So let's. We got to start all the way back to when the Eiffel Tower was first built. I don't know how how well known this is. I feel like in the U.S. maybe not so much of why it was built in the first place. Are you familiar with the story? I want to it say built? it's something to do with the World's Fair. Yeah, exactly. So it was supposed to be the the arches, you know, the entrance arches for the World's Fair. Oh, uh, cool. And so it's built in uh, built in 1889 for this purpose. A lot of Parisians didn't didn't like it. Like they thought it was an eyesore, a blemish on the beautiful city, and. Uh, uh, it, to the point where like so like there's a famous author uh, Guy de Maupassant oh maybe? this is going to be awesome this is another episode <laughs> where we butcher French pronunciations by the way I think the Eiffel Tower in French is called Tour Eiffel so you just flip it round really? which is always a theory I've had about French like we have to take French in school and whenever you don't uh-huh. know the word for something you can just flip it around so for example yeah, like it- swimming pool I have no idea what that is in French but you could just say like le pool de swimming. I feel I feel like on a lot of the pronunciations too, if you're not quite sure how to pronounce it, you just sort of like ignore a lot of letters, and Definitely. then it sort of works out. I pick in. I got the document in front of me that we we we're using for this episode. I see in bold guy de mouse passant. In French, I'd be like <laughs> guy de mouse passant. Yeah, and that exactly. sounds like that sounds legit. Yeah, guy de and so the point the point being there, he has a he has a great quote that says. Uh, what will be thought of our generation if we do not smash this lanky pyramid? Um, oh. That was his opinion of the Eiffel Tower. It does kind of look like a big 
Tesla coil or something. Like, I always imagine... Did you ever play yeah. Red Alert 2, that old Command & Conquer game? No, but I'm familiar with it. There's this one where the, they, like, turn the Eiffel Tower into a giant Tesla coil for, like, zapping enemies and blowing up tanks yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of looks like what it's for, rather mm -hmm. than, you know, an entrance yeah, you, you to You can definitely big... see how, how this would look as an ice or just this big hunk of metal there, you know, like... And you have this, like, beautiful city backdrop, all this, like great stuff and then then here's this big hunk of metal and so yeah a lot of people did not like it and so uh, there, there's a, a great letter um it was written by a group of artists and this um architects and things like that and they sent it to the minister of the works and the commissioner uh for the exposition for the world's fair and uh so you want to read this, yeah, I'll, this I'll, quote I'll, of their, their opinion of it um, i appreciate the fact that it's translated uh, yeah <laughs> i'm sure our audience does too although if you are yeah. listening in france there is an iTunes France and you can leave <laughs> We writers, yeah. painters, sculptors, architects and passionate devotees of the hitherto untouched beauty of Paris protest with all our strength, with all our indignation in the name of slighted French taste against the erection of this useless and monstrous Tour Eiffel, or Eiffel Tower. To bring our arguments home, imagine for a moment a giddy, ridiculous tower dominating Paris like a, like a gigantic black smokestack crushing under its barbaric bulk Notre Dame, the Tour Saint-Jacques, the Louvre, the Dome of Les Invalides, the Arc de Triomphe. All of our humiliated monuments will disappear in this ghastly dream. And for 20 years, we shall see, stretching like a blot of ink, the hateful shadow of bolted sheet metal and so this 20 years point here uh not only did they didn't like it but this 20 years was because it only had a permit to be erected for 20 years and after that the it didn't have a permit they were just going to tear it down like there was when it was first built there was not this thought to keep it around it was for the world's fair and then maybe a little tourism after and whatnot and so it wasn't i mean they were going to get rid of it eventually what happened to world's fairs by the way because whenever yeah. i hear about world's fairs in history like I, I recently read tom hanks's book he put out he put out a collection of short stories and one of them's talking about the chicago world's fair in like 1918 or something dude mm -hmm. world's fairs sound awesome and and they were like really uh, culturally significant like of spreading these ideas and things and yeah i was actually uh, speaking of that it's on the topic list well, our massive topic list of to do that we haven't done is whatever happened to world's fairs because i'm actually genuinely curious because they i assume it's just because it was for the cities that involved it was probably like a huge tax drain not worth it at all um for the big build-up and everything but yeah they you know nowadays i feel like come on we could get some though in 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 hanks's book and i'm not sure how much this was related to fact but it was like they had all these cool like things and it'd be like wow like the telephone from the future and this was like early 20th century and he was talking about like telephone calls and like video mm -hmm. calling and stuff and how people were just blown away by this and it would be sponsored like graham bell telephone company or whatever yeah. and i'm like come on i mean there's going to be some tax draw but it's also going to be yeah. you know these days it'd be like i'm sure coca-cola would love to coca-cola is probably a bad example but like a big technology yeah. company like cex or whatever that's a profitable show Let's just ramp yeah. that up and make it not just technology, but everything yeah, cool everything. about humanity. Yeah, this would be amazing. I would love to go to a modern world's fair, but yeah. Sorry, yeah, that was a tangent, but well, like, was, and, uh, and building, like, to get it back to the Eiffel Tower, building, yeah. like, a full-on monument. Like, this, and this was a hundred years ago. hundred and thirty years ago. There, this is also the Ferris wheel was that, like, uh, the same type of thing, like, the, the Ferris wheel as we think of it. It was around, you know, they had Ferris wheel-like things, but the, the World's Fair was the, it's why we, if I remember correctly, is why we even call it a Ferris wheel in the first place was this, like, massive Ferris wheel that was built. And so they built these, like, huge things to be, like, a draw for their World's Fairs, and yeah. 
It's like, It'd be cool if they started doing that again. It's like the Olympics, except the buildings are useful and fun afterwards, and it's not all about sports. Yeah, yeah, and just about, like, yeah, humanity, like the things, new technologies, new things, like new things people are coming up with. It'd be amazing. Change.org. Let's get on this, guys. <laughs> Bring back the World's Fair. People didn't like it. It was only supposed to be around for, uh, had a permit for a couple decades. Uh, but it survived anyway because they were using it for radio transmissions and it was bringing in tourism dollars. So they decided to keep it around. So it did have a purpose. Uh, it wasn't just like a, because it does look like yeah. a radio tower or a Tesla coil or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'm, and that might even, I have spent a long time since I've looked into this one, but that I wouldn't be surprised if that was a little bit of the initial idea, like this futuristic radio technology, you know, at the time it was built. That's awesome. Um, to broadcast. So this brings us to 1925. It's 36 years later after it. And there's a newspaper article discussing the high cost of maintaining the structure, the Eiffel Tower. It was starting to rust. It didn't look good, according to a lot of people. And so they're just discussing this, like, why why is this still around? And and so there's this, like, this dissension. And this, a man named Victor Lustig, he, he reads this. And he gets the brilliant idea that he is going to sell the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it we his? should probably get into it. No. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like he had been mentioned on... before if it was his. No. So Lustig, his background is kind of interesting. He was actually born named Robert Miller, which is actually in, uh, born in your neck of the woods, or somewhat, anyway. Uh, Hostini, Czech Republic. Hostini, that doesn't look like a Czech word. I'm not familiar with it at all. Did you you make that into like a a phonetic spelling? It's also possible that I just spelled it wrong, you know, when I was typing it in. Oh no, it does seem to be a place in Czech, my mistake. It just doesn't look like a a, a Czech place name. There's normally more like accents and stuff on the letters, but uh, uh, I I would say Uh, Hostine. But um, yeah, so wrong. back then, back then it was the Austria-Hungary. Yeah, so okay. in 1890 he was born Robert Miller, and he he obviously changed his name later because he was a major con artist, like really That's good. A, he was uh, Robert Miller sounds like the least Czech name I've ever heard. He sounds like he's <laughs> British or something. I even googled yeah. the name uh, earlier, and it's like yeah. Robert Miller, the British billionaire. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. He was born a year after the Eiffel Tower was constructed. And so not much is known about his childhood or anything of what he was doing other than when he comes to his uh, his um, con artist days. Mm-hmm. So he first, he made his, made quite a lot of money going around just traveling on cruise ships and things like this, traveling around. And he would wine and dine, you know, wealthy individuals he saw there. Like he would get the, you know, the first class stuff and he would just like yeah. lavishly flaunt his wealth. Right. And this would attract people and they would be like, oh, OK, so at, at some point, like, but where did your money come from? How, how do how are you so wealthy? Right. And so he would be kind of secretive about it a little bit like, oh, you know, whatever. I'm, I, you know, just have some money. So and then eventually I do, I do stuff. Yeah, I do. Import so exports. <laughs> yeah, this would get him this would get him more curious. And so as they he would pick his marks, you know, the one most likely to to fall for his his scam yeah uh so once he would eventually reveal that all right so come on back come on back to my room i'm going to show you something and he goes back there and he has in there what he called a money box which is also i guess known as a romanian box and the idea here was he would show them he would take like a hundred dollar bill or whatever he would put it in the box he would feed it in you know crank the levers or whatever and then you have to wait a few hours or whatever and then after after a little while, he would come back and he would crank it again, and out comes two exact copies of the hundred dollar bill. Wow! Like, so, so it's his money making machine. Basically, it's a printing machine. This was money real. Printing. It actually worked. No, no, no. It I, was I not. Know. I know, but I'm just. But, I would be a great mark. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was, was like, like wow. He was apparently very convincing because he was very successful at this at making. Because you could see how people would be convinced. Because I mean, it's a copy device. You know, you you make books. You have pre- printing presses and everything. Like sure, this yeah. is essentially all he's doing is all he's explaining that this. 
thing does is it's like a printing press I'm for sure money. there's an equivalent scam of this today. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we're going to do later. He actually eventually makes a real money box at some point. Uh, but uh, it was a much bigger thing. Um, but yeah, so this was the idea. It was basically just a money copying machine. So it would print out very realistic looking money. And so, yeah, you just have to wait a little bit and you get the money. And so, of course, people are like, well, how can I buy one of these? Like, can I buy your machine? You know, you can just make another one. And uh, he would, of course, initially decline and be like, no, I'm not going to sell you my money box. This is this is how I get my money. I have all the money I need. Yeah. Um, so, so eventually, apparently he was like amazingly charismatic. He was a very successful con man. Yeah. And eventually he would get to the point where he would be, all right, uh, I'll sell it to you. Go on, and, man. Uh, yeah. And so he would, and he would make many thousands of dollars per <laughs> machine he would sell these for. And they would work at first because he would preload it with money. So they would put in money. And so, you know, they could see that it was working. Even he's still on the boat, you know, uh, it's working for them, but they, they know they have to wait. And then he would, of course, depart before the machine would run out of money to spit out. And then, yeah, then he would go on his way and do the scam again. This was the thing. He made a lot of money doing it. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, Sounds this like brings movie us, potential right here. Yeah, this guy, this guy, there's so many like cons that he did. He was he was a master con. And we'll get into the bonus facts at the end. He actually is thought to have written the famous like uh, laws of con men, you know, like the, his like, I think it was 10 rules. I, we'll get to it in a little bit, but uh, the, the 10 rules or whatever to make a good con man. Uh, I, I like this thought, stuff. Like I, I don't know why it fascinates me quite so much, but I really love like Catch Me If You Can and all of yeah. these like con artist stories. It's just like, and I don't know why, but I'm always like, yeah, root for this guy. But there's, wait a minute, he's the bad guy. You shouldn't be rooting <laughs> for him. Totally. Like, I'm sure, he can get away with it. And that's a yeah. ridiculous statement of the, charis- the charisma of con men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so he's reading this newspaper article mm-hmm. in 1925 about how, you know, people are not happy with the Eiffel Tower. It's rusting. It's really expensive, you know, tax drain, even with, you know, what, what the money it's bringing in tourism. People want it gone. So he's, uh, he's uh, like I said, he's like, yeah, what I'm, I can use this. All right. So he goes and he's, he's, he basically gives himself a title. He's now the deputy director of the Minister de Patos et Telegraphs. Yeah. Uh, so it's the Minister, Minister of Postal Services and Telecommunications. It's weird that his the, title's half English, half French in your translation. Like the deputy director yeah. of the Ministre de Poste et Telegraphs. Yeah, I'm quite sure go. that I I'm quite sure I did that when I originally wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> the Ministry of Postal Services and Telecommunications. Yeah, exactly. So okay. he's he makes it makes up some official documentation, makes it look all <laughs> legit. He goes to a very fancy hotel and uh, and there and then he writes up some very official looking documents and sends them out to various scrap uh, scrap metal dealers in Paris, really really ex- um, really well off ones who could pay. And then he brings them in and he wines and dines them. Like kind of his his thing, make himself. Yeah. He's you know his makes. It all look official, yeah. uh, very charismatic and everything. And he declares to them that, hey, all right. So it's not it's not publicly known yet because we're still, you know, working out the details internally in the government. But we are going to scrap the Eiffel Tower. It's just too it's costing too much. So the government, French government saying it's gone. We need it. And so we need but we we want to basically use your scrap metal dealers, put in some bids. We'll see, you know, the winning bid you get you get all the metal and you you're in charge of uh, dismantling the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. So this this wealthy groups like it's it sounds completely legit. He looks legit because he even takes them on a tour of the Eiffel Tower. He's got uh, his documentation kinda, and everything that he's forged. He's as got well, documentation. Right? He goes very official, very wealthy, you know, to the Eiffel Tower. He takes them to there. He takes them in his little tour and everything. But as every good con man, he actually he's targeting one person among the group. The rest he doesn't think are going to go. They might think it's a scam, you know, this little fishy. But there's one person who's like it's this guy and it's a guy by the name of Andre Passant. Yeah, uh, and this guy he thought he was a great mark because this is he was extremely wealthy and he was new to the sort of the french business world and he was wanting to make his mark you know like you know so he, he do you know what his name like means good... in french by the way it's one of the few french words i know no 
His name is Andre Fish. Poisson is fish. In, <laughs> Maybe, in French. Yeah. There you go. Perhaps had an ancestor yeah. was a fish. Fisherman. No, well, I was, I was, I was thinking that this guy's going fishing for. Uh, oh, that's uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is his mark. He, he's he's the one who he wants to win, yeah. right? But I mean, it is a little fishy that it's not publicly, nothing uh-huh. in the papers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his wife, this guy's wife, is like, I don't know, like this might just be a scam or whatever. So so they they confront him about it. Like the Andre goes, they go meet him uh, with his wife, and and they confront and say, hey, like this seems a little fishy. What are you what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And so um. Yeah, so, and this is like the brilliance of, of Lustig. He, to convince them, he basically put himself, he, he kind of implied that he was looking for a bribe. Like, he's just an official. He doesn't want things, you know, too above board because then, you know, he's a, he's a government official who doesn't make much. And maybe if you lined his pockets with some money, this person could win the contract. And so in the course of this conversation, he kind of uses this to convince the, the, the couple that he's legit. And like, you know, it, it worked. And they not only, not only did they give him the equivalent of about um, $20,000, they also gave him the equivalent of about $50,000 in bribe money, which the total if you if you kind of adjust you know do translation from the french currency to us and then adjust it for inflation it's about a million dollars whoa we're talking about like this back in the day twenty thousand dollars yeah exactly wow Uh, the, and so, yeah, it was about a million dollars in, in U.S. currency today. And so that's what he's got. And immediately after he gets this money, he skips town, wow. <laughs> as you might expect. And so the funny thing about this, though, this is the great the great part here is the, the Andre Passant was embarrassed about the whole thing when he realized it was scam. So he did not report it to the police. He did not report it initially to anyone. Well, that's the beauty of like the, the con, right? Where it's like you have to do something that the because he's bribed someone so he can't really go to the yeah. police and it's like well yeah i bribed this guy it's like yeah. what you shouldn't be bribing people should you sir yeah and then on top of that you're you're an idiot basically. yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah and so and this he was trying to make a splash in the business world he doesn't want his first thing to be like oh yeah his first big thing is like yeah you got conned out of basically a million dollars so he doesn't he doesn't report this to anyone and so lustig is like wait a minute no one knows that i did this so i'm gonna go do it again <laughs> And so just wow. six months later, he returns to Paris and he does, this time he targets new scrap business, metal businessmen. Yeah. And uh, he runs the same con again and does the same wine dine, everything. But this time, one of one of his one of his marks actually got a little suspicious and, and, and went to the police to ask, like, is, you know, is this a real deal? Like, and reported to see if they could find out if this is a real deal. Yeah. And of course it wasn't. And Lustig got wind of this and he skipped town as soon as he, he heard about he heard about it so he was he was off he didn't get caught here uh, that was how he he attempted to sell the eiffel tower a second time uh, failed but yeah then he just went back to his old various cons the the money box was a big one he went, and this is a great thing he was touring the u.s doing this this money box thing and occasionally <laughs> like he would get tour. caught was, like yeah. an official thing it's like welcome to the town it's on tour is so it's just awesome yeah it's there is a texas sheriff who mm-hmm. actually he conned this texas sheriff into paying him for a money box right and yeah so then when he finds out it doesn't work, the Texas sheriff is, is tracking him down, right? And he, he finally catches him. And then Lustig convinces the sheriff that, no, the reason the money box didn't work is because he was using it wrong. And so he convinces him again and he gets off. He escapes that one and doesn't get arrested. He did get occasionally arrested and jailed for, for conning people. Uh, so he wasn't like completely getting off scot-free of everything. 
That's but, pretty amazing um, that the sheriff hunts him down. I'm like, this is it, you know. This you just yeah. the guy disappears and that's the end of it, you know. This is like yeah. well, as we'll get back it, in the day. Yeah, we'll get into it in a minute. Like the Secret Service, there was they had, their reports on him was like this guy is a master, an absolute master con man. Like even <laughs> when they awesome. encountered him, he was completely calm when they finally do catch up to him and arrest him. Uh, he completely calm when he, you know, just very charismatic, happy, like, hey guys, oh you got me. You know, like he's just he just legit. He just seems legit. He's uh, you know. A cool, a cool customer or whatever wow. the expression there. Yeah, so he finally... Oh, oh, this is another good one. He actually conned Al Capone, which was a, a good one. Okay, like, I was which, a bit worried about if the Texas sheriff is coming after me, but I don't know if it's a smart idea to con Al Capone. Yeah, so he... The, the basically what what he did was he convinced Al Capone to give him uh, $50,000 and to as an investment he say he had a scheme a scheme that he was going to run that would then double the money within I think it was 2 months yeah yeah 60 days he would, it was a scheme he was going to run use the 50,000 to to double his double Al Capone's money it was going to okay. be great uh, and then so but he <laughs> didn't actually have a pretty scheme. great investment if that was true yeah and he's a great con man. Maybe Al Capone yeah. knew this. Like he, he, may, he can make it happen. But so instead, instead, he he didn't have a scheme. He just plopped the money into a bank. And so then he comes back to Capone and says, "Yeah, I lost all the money. But you know, I want to I want to be straight with you. So I want to refund. I want to refund the money. Like I'll out of my own pocket. Here you go." And Al Capone was like, "Oh, you don't have to give me the full amount back. Like I'll, I'll you don't have to repay out of your own funds. Just give me a percentage or whatever." And it, and it was most of it. it was like uh like forty five thousand or something. Wow. So this like was that. like a double bluff yeah it was exactly like (laughs) worst case scenario i'm gonna gonna invest your money in a con but the con is actually this yeah and worst case scenario he has to give all the money back and then he loses nothing it's like you know whatever and but if it works and in this case it did where capone's like all right you're a good guy you know whatever uh you tried uh, you don't have to pay me out of your own pocket so yeah so we got to keep it was a nice little little profit a few thousand dollar profit for for quite essentially just keeping the money in a box or in a bank or something just Wow. Yeah, and so so like all this about his life and stuff comes out later when he actually did a much bigger, uh, not exactly a scam, just like he took his money box idea and took it to its logical conclusion of actually building some like you know copying money. Right, uh, so, but this, that, that's a little bit more complicated. One would feel. Yeah, it's uh, so this is like his life story kind of comes out uh, after after this. So he basically he meets this guy. It's a chemist named Tom Tom Shaw in 1930, mm-hmm. and they decided like, hey, like why not make this real money box? Why not make something? We'll make the plates. We'll get the paper ink. Every everything it'll have a nice setup and we'll just start we'll just start pre- reproducing money uh and they were doing at their peak we're doing about a hundred thousand dollars a month in in uh in u.s currency which is about 1.4 million dollars today uh if you adjust wow. for inflation yeah. per, uh, per month is what they were producing so naturally the secret service was on to him quite quickly and they they were finding his money like it was really good copies so people were accepting it but they obviously they know the difference uh and so they called it the loose dig money and uh yeah they were seeing it pop up all over the u.s uh he was quite good for a while and it's interesting because they did not catch him themselves like he was he was quite slippery that way it was all because of his girlfriend oh no his girl his girlfriend was convinced and you know he probably was was cheating on him or mm-hmm. cheating on her so she so she got mad at him and she absolutely she went to the secret service and said like here here he is he's here he's going to be walking <laughs> by here go get him uh, uh, so that's how he ended up getting caught and then he actually once he was caught he escaped from prison naturally of course he did <laughs> just as an aside here maybe it's not Maybe as an American, you are like super familiar with this. But to me, the Secret Service are the dude to protect the president. But yeah, the Secret Service were actually originally to counterfeit money. So Abraham Lincoln actually, ironically, on the day he was assassinated, uh, signed into law the thing to make the Secret Service. But it was not to protect the president, which I mean, that's kind of the funny thing about it. That would make a better story, right? 
Yeah. I mean, that's what people think when you do that that headline, and that is something of the headline of the article that we did on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, they, they were, because the counterfeit money at the time was just insane. I don't remember now what it was, but it was something like 30 or 40% of all currency in the US or something no. crazy like that wow. at the time was counterfeit money. And so they, they needed to, to stock to fix the problem. And so that was the Secret Service was to go around and basically fix the counterfeit money problem, which is still something they do today. Um, I think they actually got transferred to a different branch of government. So they do a lot of other stuff. But that was one of the reasons it would make they... sense, right? It'd be a bit weird if it's like, oh, hey, John, what are you up to this week? And it's like examining counterfeit money on Monday. Then the president's got a gig in Manila on Tuesday. So we're flying out there. And it's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think originally they were part of the Treasury Department, if I remember. Maybe that's where they were transferred. Uh-huh. Anyways, whatever the case, that's what they were doing. And uh, yeah, later, the reason why they got to protect the president, it was something to do with, uh, I'm vaguely remembering now, it was something to do with the fact that they were an agency that was outside of these other divisions. So for some reason, legally speaking, it made, a, made it easy for them to like, all right, here's a branch okay. that we can yeah. absorb into protecting the president or whatever. But anyways, that uh, we have an article on it somewhere. That There's would be a good a lot, one. Yeah. Yeah. Better details than I'm vaguely remembering after from like five years later yeah uh, so. i remember something about i think we did a there must have been a bonus fact or something because i'm vaguely familiar with the abe lincoln and the uh yeah it's an old one and... it's 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 from way back when so yeah so they they, they were looking for his counterfeit money they eventually find him because of his girlfriend who oh, turns yeah, him yeah. in oh, no. he escapes from he escapes from jail but he was caught a few, uh what was it a month later in pittsburgh they they caught up to him again and then they sent him of course because he escaped from prison they sent him to some place that's much harder to escape from alcatraz oh. and there that's where he lived for the rest of his life and despite he was quite a, a little bit of a news celebrity for a while there because of all his many hijinks he got up to in his life but uh, actually when he died in alcatraz it wasn't even didn't even make the news uh nobody nobody knew it wasn't it was a couple years after he died that mm-hmm. uh, his brother his brother actually reported to a judge uh that he his brother that he had passed away a couple years earlier and then that actually got reported in the new york times that was the first mention that he had actually died that was kind of his uh his fun little crazy good con man life yeah that's kind of a uh, we, I feel like we should end these episodes strong, but it's like, yeah, he died alone in jail and no one noticed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. His life That's was a lot like, more fun than his death. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a thing with a lot of these, I, I, like these historical ones where it's like, yeah, and then he died because yeah. you know, all these people it's were like, talking about her dead. That's the reality. Yeah. He, he died as an old man and yeah. uh, yeah, that was it. We could, we could redo the ending. So <laughs> he was in Alcatraz so- and he tried swimming, <laughs> but a shark yeah. got him and that was the end and it was all over yeah, the press. No. So, uh, so that was it. That was, that was his end. Yeah, that is, just, and then he died. Just, <laughs> I feel like that was also the Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was like the end of that story. It was like, yep, and then he died. I, but I feel like with that, his life was really getting started when he was old. Yeah. Like yeah. The, what was so inspiring about that is like he made it at the end of his life. Yeah. Whereas this guy, yeah. I mean, because what, what you know, the, the structure of a good story is always like the build up, the build up, the build up. And then very quickly it drops off and that's it. You know, that, that peak yeah. of the interest comes at the end. But the reality with something like this is like the peak of the interest comes at the beginning and then it like kind of just withers out like a regular person's life towards the end rather than like when it's a fictional account where it's just like very exciting all the way until the end and then like speaking of that speaking of the domino's pizza one so i have a little uh, secret to reveal i actually do know what happened to that avoid the noid guy and i just didn't mention in the episode because it was too depressing oh no it made it was funny it's funny in abstract but when you actually tell the ending it's like oh that's too sad i'm definitely not going to mention that so (laughs) So just to just to tie this in this was because we did uh, the last episode if you didn't listen you definitely should was about business origins we talked about the origins of fedex ups domino's and kfc the avoid the the noid guy was he was crazy right because they he thought domino's pizza 
were advertising had a avoid the noid it was like the hamburglar of of dominoes and they thought because his name his surname was noid he thought they were like making fun of him and then he ended up taking some of them hostage wait so okay. and stole and stole pizza which was the whole trope yes, of the, the of the noid character very ironically makes it, it makes it funny even though you know like in reality this is a real person who has like mental problems yeah and the reality was uh, if i if i'm so speaking of death. now he, he he killed himself oh. <laughs> it's not not good and uh, on that so, yeah, note, <laughs> I, that's why that's why when you mentioned that in the thing, you were like, "And what happened to him?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not going there. This yeah. this makes the whole thing uh, not depressing." Well, it's it's okay for this episode though. <laughs> yeah. Now that now that we've got people laughed, you know, before now they can all feel bad about laughing. Oh, that, that's that's a nice touch actually. I like that. Bonus facts for today. So yeah, it's it's speculated. No one knows for sure that Lustig Lustig was the author of the Ten Commandments for Con Men. And do you wanna do you wanna read these? I love this. I've never heard of this before. But I I had a, I had a brief look through the document before we got started. These are quite fun. Uh, Shall I just yeah. read read through them all and then yeah, we can have a little chat it. about them afterwards? Uh, yeah. Number one, be a patient listener. It is this, not fast talking, that get a co- that gets a con man his coups. Number two, never look bored. Three, wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Four, let the other person reveal religious views, then have the same ones. Also brilliant. <laughs> Five, hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other person shows a strong interest. Six, never discuss illness unless somewhat some special concern is shown. Seven, never pry into a person's personal circumstances. They'll tell you all eventually. Eight, never boast, just let your importance be quietly obvious. Nine, uh, nine maybe these aren't numbered, so I'm probably losing track, yeah, but it, never be. No, un- it is nine. It is nine, good, good. Nine, never be untidy, and ten, never get drunk. These are great. Yeah. Some of these are and quite this, even just this was, for I, being. I threw in as an 11th that he maybe should have added is never cheat on a woman who knows all about your scams. Yes. Yeah, important, important one for him. Well, maybe yeah. if he'd, maybe he didn't write them then, because that would definitely be his number eleven. He had a lot of time to think about that in Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah. These are these are yeah. great. I really like these. A lot of those are uh, like uh, those, they're almost. Uh, I forget about cons, but they're almost like uh, how to win win friends. And I was influence people. just going to say that exact. Set. I mean, if you take out the more slimy ones, like just agree with people all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. being agreeable is definitely an important part of being likable. But yeah. I don't think you necessarily need to agree with everyone's opinions all the time you but, can always find stuff that you agree with you know absolutely everyone. but be a patient listener never look bored i don't know about hinting at sex talk <laughs> I, I, I assume i assume that's just to be really intriguing you know like a little it, it kind of works in that way ah uh, okay yeah never discuss illness don't pry never boast don't be untidy don't get drunk these are like pretty pretty solid yeah this is good never oh. look bored yeah when you're talking to someone especially meeting someone new you don't, don't you don't want to look bored yeah that's good I like Be it a good all. listener. Yeah, this is just good advice. Yeah. Well, there you go. Dude, there is absolutely a movie. Is is there really not a movie about this cuz we should we should I, write a screenplay. This would be amazing. Like and yeah, you could have these these laws like the the 10 commandments of con men throughout the yeah. the things so as he's be, building can, his list like learning as he goes. Exactly. Yeah. And then you yeah, kind it of, would be interesting to know more about his childhood cuz almost nothing is known about him until that point where he was already a very successful con man. So it'd be interesting to know how he went from that upper middle class family uh to to then doing this and and mastering the craft basically this is why it would be a fictional 
thing yeah. based You'd on have a to, true story. Just make it up. Yeah, yeah make up that part. <laughs> also, how did he... He was born in the Austro-Hungarian Empire and his name was Robert Miller. Yeah. I would love to yeah. know what, what that's about. Yeah. And then he changed like, his name to something more appropriate at some point. Yeah. Like, oh, and he also went... He also went... When he was doing his scams, he went by the name on all... Like when he was going around because he, he wanted to make himself look really prestigious and he had lots of money flaunting his wealth and so he would always... People would refer to him as the Count. That was uh, the name he preferred to go, go by to sort of imply that maybe he was like royalty of some sort or you know just he just chose to address himself as count yeah and that's, that's, what, that's amazing what he was kind of known by well you know we've talked about it i was i was thinking about this yesterday i didn't i didn't order it yet but the the to get ordained as a minister as a patron oh, yeah clerk, we've discussed about i'm gonna just start referring to myself as the reverend like <laughs> yeah. after universal life church has me or the rabbi or the imam or whatever yeah. Yeah, there's you can, yeah you can pick whatever title you want there. Yeah, my, Jedi. my brother, my brother, as we have we we've discussed when he when he uh, married my wife and I, he was uh, he went by rabbi and he did the whole curly cues, everything. He had the little yarmulke. Whole, he did the whole thing. It was funny. It's great coming up as a Patreon perk. You know, yeah. I think I think this is great. I have no idea if we actually seriously do this, but I I, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on that note, should we run through a little outro? Anything we need to mention in particular, other than the regular stuff? No. I don't think no. so. Leave us a review. Don't forget our contest. Join our forums, forums.todayfoundout.com. Yeah. Let us know what you think on a review in the forum. Drop us an email, podcast.todayfoundout.com. Anything I haven't hit there that we should be mentioning? I don't think so. Grand. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>